0: Between the Game and Life podcast, I have a uh, special guest today, a real good friend of mine. I'm really excited about this one. I mean, I'm mean, i always excited to have my friends on because, you know, you meet people at certain points, but you may not know the full the full mm-hmm. background and story. So, today I have my good friend, Marcellus Barksdale, on with me. What's going on, cellus
1: <laughs> What's going on, big guy, man? I appreciate you having me on the show. And, you know, first things first, man, I'm honored. You know, I've seen it grow, you know, LinkedIn, the consistency. I know it's not easy. So, uh, you know, I'm happy to connect um, and also just as to, uh, to hop on the show.
0: Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Before we started, I was I was trying to think about the first time that I met you or heard your name. And I just remember, I think we might have been my sophomore, junior year. I was hearing about this kid yeah. in the Taste Creek area that was <laughs> going to be a prospect. And I think um, I think my senior year was your freshman year. And I think you started for Taste Creek during that year. You might have played in eighth grade. Did you play in eighth grade high school as well?
1: Yes, so I think I think we kind of set it straight. I think you were two years ahead of me, so okay. cause you you were two thousand nine, right? Yep. Yeah, but I'm thousand eleven. Okay. So yeah, okay, I, I did play in eighth grade. I didn't play varsity. I played freshman and JV as an eighth grader. But yeah, about that time, you know, definitely. Uh, you know, I remember practicing, getting ready to play Brian Station. Man, it was always a always a fun week trying to replicate y'all's talent. Literally, and this is this is this is a funny story when we were playing to prepare Brian station, you know, of course you were, you were quite the Hooper as well, but you know, thank you, thank you, no knock, um, no, no knock no shade to you, you know, <laughs> as good as you were Phil, you know, there was a couple other guys on the scouting report as well. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah.
1: in order to, in order to simulate playing Brian station, we literally used to practice against six guys on offense <laughs> and defense. That's no, crazy, no joke. We used to play five on six, bro. Yeah, <laughs> to simulate, you know, you all. So you know, well,
0: that's that's funny because when we played Scott County, we would do nine on five. So everybody <laughs> on the court would be double teamed, and it'd be the most frustrating practice because if you threw a bad pass, you yeah. got blocked or whatever, we would have to run. And I'm like, bro, it's literally <laughs> double the amount of people. And y'all still expect the same result, but yeah, yeah. but it, it'd be funny. Absolutely, we'd practice man. we'd practice nine on five and still go out there and get smacked <laughs> by twenty.
1: Uh, but yeah, yeah so squad too. let me chat y'all squad too
0: yeah um I'm I'm fascinated with people that are good at a young age because I was a late bloomer so what were some of your early earliest experiences with the game like when did you first pick it up
1: yeah man so um I remember just as a kid I think the first time well let me let me let me preface I grew up in a, a household where sports was you know pushed well not not so much pushed it just was part of what we did, right? You know, my mom and dad were both athletes, uh, you know, so we were growing up in the household and, and there was always a game on, right? Sure. You know, I remember having the Michael Jordan, uh, little uh, little Tykes basketball goal, and just, you know, on my knees, crawling, just the basketball in the hand, hand-eye coordination, all that good stuff. So, you know, that was really kind of my first introduction to basketball. And then as we kind of got up to organized basketball, YMCA, um, I believe at the time it was like South Lakes and the YMCA, first pair of basketball shoes were Grant Hill, Phelot. So, you know, I was probably five years old, but, yeah. um, you know, it was really just a constant in my life. So, um, you know, I was introduced to it at an early age, but more importantly, you know, I, I was infatuated watching the game. So I think I developed a pretty, pretty strong basketball IQ at an early age, which helped me because I was never the most athletic. Um, So being able to kind of just understand, you know, everybody on the floor, where they went to college, you know, what they did well. And I kind of was able to, you know, as I grew, I realized that my game became a reflection of guys that I gravitated towards and were fans of, you know, even as early as seven, eight years old.
0: So. And even like when we were kids. You you had to watch basketball to like pick up on basketball. It wasn't like today where you could go to YouTube and search <laughs> yeah, anybody want to. Scrolled, yeah. So like if you really <laughs> wanted to be like you had to actually watch the game and study players yep. and from a day by day basis. Who who did you like? Um, who did you like to watch?
1: Yeah man, it's so funny. So you know, of course, there's been a lot of talent. I feel, I feel like we were fortunate to grow up in an area in an era where we got to see you know some amazing basketball. You know, kind of like that that bridge between, you know, legends of the past and the guys that we see now. So, a, yeah. a very pivotal moment. But I mentioned my first pair of basketball shoes were Grant Hill's. Uh, Grant Hill was by far my favorite player. Um, and it's so funny, I kind of felt like my favorite players were guys that I felt as a kid actually might have even resembled me, right? And right, you're kind of yeah. thinking about, you know, who you may – how you may grow and who you look like. So, Green Hill, uh, you know, who, I guess I guess it was team ice here. Green Hill, <laughs> Tim Duncan. And then as I got a little bit older, you know, I loved Darren Williams. And then I loved uh, uh, Brandon Roy. Oh, and, yeah. you know, and then Andre Miller, those guys. But my favorite player of all time, you know, I couldn't really do anything like them was, was Kobe. But, right. you know, he was somebody that was almost unattainable. Yeah. But, you know, those other guys, they were a little slower, <laughs> you know, a little more methodical right. in their game. So that, those were kind of my favorite players growing up. How
0: did you develop? How, how did you go about developing your skill? Like, did you actually, like, do drills by yourself? Did you yeah. just play a lot? Like, what did you do to actually, you know, learn the game from a yeah. from a skill level?
1: Yeah, man. Like, and again, you know, now everybody has trainers and all that oh, good yeah. stuff. You know, we 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 weren't, we weren't quite there in that era. Right. You know, at first it was watching a lot of basketball. I remember going to high school games, you know, and as a young kid, man, you go to a high school game, even some middle school games. Right. Um, it, it felt like an NBA level experience, level of talent. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So I remember just, you know, just always being around the game, um, watching the game on TV. So it wasn't so much necessarily working out. It was, you know, of course the traditional stuff, when you play organized basketball more to practice, um, you know, Maybe playing at some games and tournaments and things like that. But I think I was able to really get ahead and get better by watching. And my dad used to teach me the game mm. while we would watch it, right? Yeah. So, you know, he would say that, you know, basically call the game as it was happening and be able to hear that allowed me to not only be able to watch a game, but to really see what was going on, you know, based on time, score, situation, and what would come after. So that yeah. was really how I focused in on my niche. You know, being an IQ guy and always the smartest player on the floor, which, uh, you know, was able to kind of, you know, get me to a a pretty strong point uh, with my basketball talent.
0: Yeah. And I remember like when I first heard about you and I was watching you as a as a younger player, um, you were always like you just seemed under control. Like you just seemed like you never felt sped up, um, smooth. And so like. So. I feel like in my life there was a certain point where the game clicked for me. And I, I give you an example. Cause like I played uh, football and baseball growing up. So basketball was like my worst sport, but I loved it the most. Uh, and then, and then I feel like there was a, a point maybe in ninth grade where I had a game where it just all made sense. Do you, do you have a moment where you felt like the game just clicked for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and, and it wasn't even really a game, right? So similar to you, I didn't play baseball growing up. Probably my biggest regret, I never I never gave it a chance. Because I was busy playing football and basketball, right? Mm. And on the football field, I was, you know, had to show it above my ability on on the basketball field, right? I was I was bigger as a kid. Mm. Um, I was skilled, good hand eye coordination. Wasn't the most athletic, but very smart, right? So I played quarterback and defensive end (laughs) and it was really just kind of, you know, just just in a position to make plays. And on the football field it was fairly easy for me. But I didn't really enjoy it as much, right? It was almost kind of boring. I hated football practice. And basketball was more of a challenge, right? You mentioned that I was always, you know, under control. Um, You know, honestly, it was because I was slow, bro. I wasn't wasn't that fast. I was a little more chubby. I couldn't really move like everybody else. So, you know, I figured, okay, you know what? This is comfortable for me. Um, And then from a click standpoint, you know, I I realized that I could use my body a little more. Yeah. to always have the ability, and whether it was protecting the ball, passing, dribbling, shooting, um, you know, defense kind of came later for me. But, um, you know, I just remember really kind of around middle school, I was like, okay, I'm better at football, but I like basketball more. And I just felt myself, especially being seventh grade, playing up with high schoolers, yeah. going to practice with varsity every day, just watching that, you know, I knew that, okay, I got a chance to, to hold my own against, you know, anybody even in high school or the middle schooler. So, yeah. let me get down this path and uh, you know, let's see what happens. So, that's ultimately, you know, what
0: I what I did. Yeah. You are a great high school player in the city. Um touch on a little bit of your overall high school experience. Like what what was it like playing in the city in Lexington? I know we yeah. had a lot of uh and what I, what I tell people, especially in our era, like like you said, like teams were, we, we would have four or five good players on a team. So it was harder to get recruited because like Absolutely. you might have six guys all averaging 12, 13, like nobody really stood out and stuff like that. So talk about your high school experience because you also played with a few good players yeah. as well.
1: Yeah, man, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm so thankful and grateful, um, especially as you kind of, get towards the end of your basketball journey and you get a chance to do some amazing things, you know, play college, play professionally. And, you know, you realize like, okay, what, what was that moment, that turning point point? and, you know, high school basketball election that we were coming up, man, it was, it was tough, bro. Like <laughs> if you were dressing varsity, like, you know, you were a quality player, yeah. um, you know, even, even on, you know, just, it was a situation where now, you know, players might have one prospect, you yeah. know, when we were coming up, it was four or five prospects on each team, right. right? Different grades. So, you know, I was thankful for that. I just, you know, you all of course, but even as i got kind of more towards my junior senior years in the city, you know, station was still good. Lafayette was super tough. I think in our district, matter of fact, we had four of the top 12 teams in the state. Yeah. So between us, Lexington Catholic, Lexington Christian had their best teams ever, um, and then, uh Lafayette. I forget about them
0: sometimes too. Oh my the goodness. CIA they were Christian. tough, man yeah
1: they were they, they were tough bro, and then, you know, of course Catholic, they had you know just as much talent as anybody. so you know then you put in the region, you throw Scott County in there, yeah. right? Uh, Madison Central had some young boys where they that went to win a state you know, some years right. later. but you know it was it was brutal. Clark County probably had you know, I know they won state last year um in lexington uh, in, in in Kentucky, but that team they had in 2011, man, you know, from a talent perspective i could definitely argue that that team you know was better than the team last year that won state right yeah. so you know there was a there was a lot of talent um you know guys were going everywhere yeah but um you know night in night out it was uh, it was a dog fight like you mentioned you know those 20 point games you know that felt like 40 but <laughs> <Like, laughs> yeah it was, it was yeah battle man henry play was great like you know bro it was i mean everybody was solid like yeah I guess Sarah might not have been a solid when we were coming up. But uh, you know, even Dunbar, Dunbar had got like bro, every yeah. everybody in the city, everybody Franklin County, like, oh my god, they 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 had a school hut. Right. Know? Like there was, there was a there was a lot of basketball talent that I could go on and on.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because there were players that played at like high level, you know, in college that didn't play or didn't start till their junior or senior year and and like nowadays like those younger more talented players they're playing at you know freshman and sophomore and something else that I was that I was thinking about is like especially at station you had to like put the work in and wait to play almost because yeah I mean like we had an NBA player on our team we had a few other guys go division one so like you weren't walking in as a freshman and just playing like oh yeah absolutely it wouldn't happen that
1: was and that was the thing across the board man like you know, you had to earn your stripes, and number one, just to even get an opportunity to make the team yeah. conditioning. You know what I mean? Oh, let, me, let, me, let me backtrack. Braves, you know what I mean? Right. you like, it wasn't like you was just, you know, hopping on the team, and then it wasn't like you could just leave if you didn't like it, right? Yeah. You know, I know now coaches are under more scrutiny, and there's a bigger microscope, and some of that is a very good thing. Um, you know, but we didn't have we, – we couldn't complain to the school district You know, that coach was tripping. (laughs) Right. Right? Yeah. You know, so it was a it was a it was a fun era. But uh, looking back, I'm so thankful because I think we had, you know, that last bit of old school um, with it, but also the innovation of the new wave as well, too. So, you know, looking back at it, man, I think we'll really be able to say that, man, that was really kind of the era of basketball, not only from a macro level, but even election in Kentucky. You know that you could really make an argument that you know had some of the best talent ever come through.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Something else that I wanted to touch on that I was trying to think about how to how to talk about, but I know for you and you know if you don't want to talk about this, that's fine. But I know you lost your father at a young age, sure. so if you want, will you talk about like how? Because obviously, I know how that impacted your personal life. You know, it's a devastating yeah. loss. But how did that influence you or push you as a um? As a uh, basketball player, because yeah, I know man. you just said like your dad, you know, like you would watch games and stuff, and he would help you with your game and stuff. For sure, yeah, man, it,
1: it was uh, it was tough. Um, and again, that's one of those things where you know you, you're never really prepared for that type of loss, um, and you really don't even, as you're going through it, you know, you don't really. There, there's not like the secret formula or this plan. You yeah. know, it's a lot of a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. Um, highs and lows but I will say man I was so blessed Um, you know again I lost my dad when I was 12 years old and you know in those 12 years you know we were grateful my twin sister and I my younger brother my mom that you know we saw you know literally one of the best examples of leadership of compassion um, of intelligence and just overall you know how you should go about life so you know as we talk about that point on from losing, you know, there were still lessons that, you know, I was being taught through my dad even after he was gone and even to this day and now but i knew dad. Yeah. So, you know, that was, uh, it was, it was tough, man. Um, impacted a lot of, a lot of guys, a lot of friends. Um, but, you know, again, it was one of those things that I was, you know, probably you know, the biggest tra- tragedy in my life. Um, but now being able to spend those 12 years um, with such Productive and intentional time with my dad, you know, the greatest blessing of my life as well too. um You know, up, up towards you know the, the newer days. You know. Yeah, and
0: when when you were playing, you know, in high school, making college decisions and stuff like, did you feel like you were carrying him with you in your heart, like as you navigated through you know those those years?
1: <laughs> yeah, man, it was tough, but um, you know, one of the things that you know, and I even relate this back to my favorite players growing up. You know, always could see you know many many different scenarios many different people and kind of create my own you know gumbo if you will from you know pieces of everybody right so you may have a player taking footwork from this person you know taking intelligence you know iq passing from all these people and kind of blending them together to create my own identity and what i had to do without having that father figure was you know i was thankful to have some great mentors um coaches friends um, and family in my life that I kind of took pieces from and held onto and, you know, was able to kind of create that type of, you know, parental and fatherly guidance as I was navigating. So, you know, that was super helpful in, you know, my college decision um, and all that good stuff as I kind of matriculated through school, um, high school and the college and even to the pro level. So, you know, surrounding myself with amazing men and women to help, you know, me discern and to understand not only basketball stuff, but just life stuff in general. Yeah.
0: And what I loved about you and your family is, like, your mom was just, like, so involved. I mean, Miss Ivy was just, like (laughs) – she seemed just like a – I don't even have the words to describe describe her, but just, like, her presence around, like, Charlotte Court and everything that you had going on was so – it looked like it was just so pivotal, you know, to your family Um, and and to you.
1: It it was, man. And, again, you know, my mom was – was always that way always involved you know above and beyond and you know honestly looking back at it and especially now being a parent of even one child right (laughs) Right. you know i can't even fathom bro (laughs) wait a second you did you did what right um but but again that just goes back to the foundation that my parents laid um that their parents even laid for them um but again man it it was it was beautiful and so blessed to be able to you know, live and be brought up through that, because again, it's something that I think as a kid, I might have have taken for granted at times, Um, but now that I'm older, man, such a blessing, and, you know, now, even as an adult, that's just, that's just, you know, what I've always seen, and it's allowed me to, you know, not only take advantage of opportunity for myself, but, you know, always being so driven and focused to care for others, um, community involvement, whatever it may be, man, so, you know, that was a blessing, yeah, man, she, she, she was amazing still is amazing and she still has that same level of uh, concern and care for for everybody
0: yeah going on going on to the parenting talk I mean you you're a father I'm a father of four and like when you look back at when you like when we were kids like there's so much we took for granted and so much we didn't know and it's almost like like I can't believe the way that I acted the things I said you know what I'm saying The, the way I thought and uh it's just like parent having your kids of your own puts life in such a different perspective
1: oh yeah man and it's one of those things man you know you you never stop growing right i know as kids you look at adults you look at your parents you know you look at coaches and you know you think that they've got this thing called life figured out right and (laughs) you know as you get older you get through it you know there's never really the perfect time or you're never really as prepared as you'd like to be to do anything, right? So, you know, I think as a parent, you know, it's given me a lot of understanding to other people, yeah. um, just knowing that, okay, you know, we're all out here trying to do the best that we can, yeah. right? So being a little more patient, um, then as it relates to, you know, some of the things that I know we were, we were, you know, allegedly doing back in the day. It was it was a wild time. It was a wild time, bro. But 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 I, I will say I'm thankful to also be able to you know live that part of our lives. Yeah. Just from a place of understanding, having the context, um, and knowing that okay, man, you know we we we've kind of seen seen all sides of the track, right? You know, yeah. the good, the bad, you know, the not so good. You know, <laughs> so you know, it, it's it's I think it's been a, it's it, it'll be a good compass, and you could probably speak more to this as your kids get older a good compass to help parent and guide kids, you know, as they're growing up looking for that same validation or, you know, exploring those same interests and curiosities. So.
0: Yeah. And, and just like you said, like when you're a kid, you you think the adults have it figured out, but what kind of like trips me out is uh, like when I think back to like my aunties and my pops and all those other people is like, um, you know, if you think 20, 30 years ago, like they themselves was only like 25, 26. (laughs) But like when you're five and six years old, you think they're so old and wise. But then like when you get to that age and you're like, dang, you had all that responsibility on you when you were that age as well. It's like, so yeah, like you said, it does make you gracious to like maybe some of the decisions they made or the way they were. Um, You do have a lot more grace as uh, as you get older as well.
1: Oh, yeah, man. And and again, dude, it's – it's crazy to even think about, right? And e- even even just looking at teachers, right? You know, that's that's a tough job, bro. Yeah. And, you know, I know, I don't know about you, but I know personally and as a collective group, we put teachers through hell, right? We put, <laughs> you know, adults yeah. <laughs> through some trying times, right? So, you know, just looking back at that and now being on this side of the fence, it's like, okay, man, you know, again, everybody's doing the best that they can. Um, and, um, you know, it's... It's tough. <laughs> yeah, most
0: most definitely. So you went to IUPUI. Was were there any other um, colleges on the table that you could have that you were considering? Yeah, man.
1: So IUPUI was my only "quote unquote" official offer, I guess you mm-hmm. could say. Um, but I did have visits scheduled with um, um, Lehigh, Wofford, and Furman, I believe, um, and then. Morehead State and Eastern Kentucky off of possibly been in the mix, but I didn't really want to stay in Kentucky. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was really kind of my recruitment. But um, I will say IEPUI was the first visit I took. And, um, you know, I, I kind of knew from even just talking to the coach that was there, Coach Ron Hunter, who is now at Tulane, um, recruited me. And, you know, I knew very early on that that was a great fit for me. It kind of yeah. checked all the boxes and, you know, I was comfortable and confident with that and, uh, you know, ended up shutting our recruitment down shortly after. So, you know, that was that was kind of it. Again, I always you know, looking back at you know, should I have committed or signed earlier or whatever um, you know, Get not to get into the weeds, but I never got to play for Coach Ryan Hunter, he ended up leaving my Mm. senior year that spring to take the job at Georgia State. Um, and I still stayed true to to IUPUI, you know, still check the boxes and things. But, um, yeah, man, it was it's it's not about finding you know, uh, the the best school or the most you know, winning school or you know, the, the school that everybody wants you to go to, it's about finding um, the school the team, whatever it may be, that's best for you.
0: Right. Yeah. So I'm going to take you down memory lane a little bit. So one thing that I love talking about with basketball players is, like, that first day on campus, you're about to play pickup. And so, like, I remember when I got to Wyoming, I've told this story, you know, everybody wanted to go out and party. I knew that we were playing in the morning, and I wanted to be fresh. So I was like, yeah, y'all go out there. Y'all have (laughs) drinks. I'm going to stay in my room. I was, you know, doing drills without a ball, you know. And so tell me, tell me about your first day on campus. You play pickup, maybe any nerves walking into that situation.
1: Yeah, man. Well, well first of all, hats off to you because, uh, you know, I definitely would have been one of those guys <laughs> that left the dorm and, you know, stayed out late, probably yeah. rolling in to practice uh, from, from the night before. <laughs> so, yeah. Hats off to you, man. But, uh, oh, bro, it was, it was, it was so crazy. So the timing of my first year in college was 2011 mm-hmm. that summer and I graduated high school and I think we, we got out of school like June, June 6th or 7th or something like that yeah and I remember graduating on a Friday and next Wednesday I was on campus mm-hmm. right wow so it was a quick turnaround and then one of the coolest things that happened during that summer was it was the, the NBA was a lockout right, right? Mm-hmm. so you know Our campus at IDPY, they had this big pro in Carlos Stock used to run it, and you know this was kind of in the era where you know those pro inns, you know guys were flying in across the country to go play, whether it's LA, you know Indianapolis, Seattle, uh, New York, DC, you know Chicago. Pros were pros were mobile and moving, so my first experience on campus and actually playing, you know. I'm not playing against my teammates. I'm playing against you know. I'm guarding Lance Stevenson. I'm, I'm I'm playing Eric Gore. Wow. Know, yeah. Alec Burks. You know, and the list goes on and on. And even Shelby, Like you know what I mean. I'm playing against Crows, Yeah. You know, and I just was in Lexington, Kentucky, at a high school graduation. <laughs> right. You know, a week before. Yeah. So you know, it was it was brutal, man. But I, I realized that um you know there's a big adjustment between going to high school. To becoming a really good college player, yeah, and there's a big difference between being a college player and being a pro, and then being a pro, and then being an NBA <laughs> type of superstar with yeah. Paul George, like you know, what I right? Mean? That's that's kind of what it was. So, you know, I remember, uh, you know, in that situation, like I didn't expect to get on the court, you know, me, right? You know, next thing you know, man, you know. Guy comes in and out, and because the pros, they 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 show up, they play, you know what I mean. They they run the show. I'm in. Next thing yeah. I know, it's okay, Ooh. Nervous as <laughs> heck, hands sweating. You know, get cooked a couple times. Now, yeah, but then you finally settle in. You know, you right. might get a deflection. I think I might have taken a charge. And Then you're out there. You know, you get a shot up, brick. But then you slowly <laughs> settle in. So you know yeah. that was it, man. And I, I I got I got cooked a little bit in front of a, in front of an audience. Um, but at the same time. It did give me a lot of confidence moving forward, knowing that okay, man, you know, before the preseason even started, you know, I'm guarding NBA level talent, so you know, yeah. I think there's an opportunity for me to to grow into a productive player, you know, on my college team. So, you know, that, that was that was kind of my my hey rookie <laughs> yeah. experience
0: on yeah. campus. So, I love those stories because like even when I look at the, I was watching the Lakers last night. You got someone like Austin Reeves, who's an undrafted, you know, rookie who's out there, like, sharing the court with LeBron, who he's probably looked up to his whole life, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And now he's, like, on the court with LeBron and trying to, you know, hoop and do well and stuff like that. And I love those stories because it's like once all the nerves and everything you settle down, you realize that, like, he's he's a person just like me, you know what I'm saying? Like, sure, there's levels to it, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I'm out here just like you are. And probably, like, that experience, once you are able to perform or whatever you do, you, you get some – get some things that uh, boost your confidence, like, that is, that is crucial. I think it's dope.
1: Yeah, man, again, it's one of those things where you get the nail in the head, but just imagine, you know, you're, you're Austin Reeves or whoever it is, and, you know, LeBron knows your name, right? Yeah. Or, like, you're in <laughs> right. the locker room having a conversation. So, you know, those things are cool. But I think from a confidence perspective, as you try to, you know, um, earn time and validate yourself on what the team makes, um, you know, it's a big confidence boost when you finally you know realize that okay man yeah I'm, I'm a i was a fan you know i looked up to these guys but now to be in the same room yep. and to be colleagues teammates um you know competitors at that level you know allows you to know that okay you know you are doing something um, and on the right path so i remember you know the first time playing the pro in, you know you're out and across the city and you see you know some of the Pacers players and it's you know whatever you know what I mean right so so you know definitely definitely makes you makes you feel good about
0: yourself yeah sellers you accomplished something that I still carry in my heart and my wife wishes that I would stop talking about is that you know you played division one basketball and so I didn't make it to the d1 level that's what I always talk about is how you know I always look back with a bunch of regret and such um but, like, talk about your experience as a D1 player, because I, I remember, like, when we were growing up in Lexington, that was everyone's goal. Like, I don't remember anyone, like, shooting for the NBA, but we all wanted to at least make it to D1, no matter what school that was. So yeah. talk about your experience as a Division One basketball player, maybe the highs, the lows, and the in-betweens.
1: Yeah, man, well, I think it's one of those things where as a kid, you know, you're, 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 almost, you're almost ignorant and given B1 basketball too much credit, right? Yeah. You know, just to play college basketball at any level, you know, is a blessing. And there's a big difference between, you know, even high school players, the best high school players and, you know, NAIA talent or JUCO talent, you know, like, you know, it's, it's dogs and talent everywhere, right? Especially right. You look across the pros, man, you know, there's pros from literally every level of basketball. So, you know, I definitely think that it was something as a kid like you, you know, I think we all aspired to get there just because it was the highest level of college basketball, yeah. um, you know, but it definitely is something that, you know, I was blessed to be able to experience. Um, but at the same time, through that experience, recognizing, that you know, okay, you know, it, it's definitely not D1 or nothing. Um, it's 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 finding the best fit for you, mm-hmm. right? Because again, the worst thing that happened is, you know, you become a D1 player. You're sitting on the bench and you never play, right? Or, right. you know, what's wrong with going to a, D2 or, you know, NAI. And, again, the best teams at those levels, you know, are better than the bottom teams in D1 anyway. You yep. see that time and time again. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was definitely, definitely cool to be at that level, you know, play on TV, um, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, don't get it twisted. You know there's, <laughs> there's talent everywhere and any opportunity um, to, to, to further your education through basketball at the college level or any level is, uh, is, is something to be proud of.
0: Yeah. What was what was probably your lowest or your your hardest moment that you had as a as a, a college player?
1: Yeah, man, uh, probably my my second year of college, man. So first year, I mean, I didn't really have any expectations on me to add value to the team, and you know, I think when you look at the roster, of minutes playing and just impact, you know, I was probably you know throughout the year probably sixth, seventh man mm-hmm. about on average as a freshman. You know, I had gained, I think, my like fourteen points and things like that. But as a freshman, when there's no expectations on me, you know, that that's really, really, really good, right? Yeah. Like, um, even from a, like a, a, a big perspective across the country. So, you know, I went into my second year at college, and you know, I felt validated that you know I could play at this level and be one of the best players. You know, not only on my team but in our conference, right? Because mm-hmm. I was, you know, I would have went from I. I I was backing up uh, one of the most talented players I've ever played with in my life. He was a senior. He left. And so now, you know, that was twenty five shots a game from him. And then, okay, I, I might I might be able to, you know, really really get my rocks off, right? Right, yeah. But I ended up uh, I ended up messing up my back, man, and uh, you know, had a had a big injury um with the ball disc in my back. Right as literally you know, like Halloween time, so right, right. before the season. Um, and I ended up kind of hobbling my first two games, but ultimately, um, you know, ended up being sidelined for a couple months, tried to come back around, uh, kind of the new year and broke my foot. So, yeah. you know, I went from, you know, having the expectation to, you know, contribute at a high level to, you know, being sidelined. And it was my first time i had been injured in that way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was a low point. And then just was going through some things back at home. Um, a lot of the effects of, you know, my dad, you know, not having him in our lives um you know a lot of those lasting impact that lasting impact wasn't seen you know for even 10 years you know after that so yeah. you know and again just to kind of speak on this real briefly you know we were grateful man our parents you know two two working parent household um you know and then when my dad passed away you know two incomes goes to one and yeah my dad was sick with cancer, so my mom stopped working, right? And she took references towards us as kids. And uh, you know, we were we were blessed to be able to do a lot of things. Um, but you go know, ten years with like no income, right? And yeah. a family, you know, uh, and, and and things got different really, really quickly. So, right. you know, not only was I ended in college, but you know, my family was going through it quite a bit um you know back home in lexington my sister was in new york, in new york. so you know so having that distance between us through such a pivotal moment um and trying to navigate you know almost with no leadership from a familiar perspective you know became became pretty difficult and you know it was honestly one of the lowest points um not only in college but just in my life however going through that um you know also one of the biggest blessings in my life as well
0: too yeah yeah something that just came to mind you know someone that I interviewed two podcasts ago she talked about like her her difficulty in her college career and I think it's like as you were talking it made me think about like when you go through things as a high school person player whatever like it's much different when you handle those as a college student because like you're semi an adult like you're away (laughs) from home and you're trying to like navigate Uh, all these new emotions and responsibilities while also like you have responsibilities as a, as a uh, student athlete, and it's just different, you know what I'm saying? So like, even, even like what you're saying, like you're dealing with injury, major injuries at that, while also dealing with, you know, things going on at home that you probably feel like responsible for, but yet maybe feel powerless to, you know what I'm saying? So it's a weird, it's a weird place to be.
1: Yeah. And again, man,
0: you, you hit the nail
1: right on the head. It's kind of, you know, you're, 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 you're illegal in a, in a door, um, But, you know, you're, you're still a kid, almost like a grown kid. Yeah, you're right. Right. And you're, you're, you're in a new experience where you're shifting your environment away from home, you know, and, and being responsible for yourself almost entirely um, and dealing with some of those things um, that you've always had others to to go through with you or even just to be able to see the people you care about every day. Right. You know, those navigating that, you know, for, for you know, not only just basketball players, but just anybody as they are growing um, and matriculating through life, you know, those uh, adult first moments, <laughs> you know, very humbling as well. Too, so,
0: Yeah. I remember um, maybe it was cause you, you had five years in college, right? Okay, and so maybe – because I remember looking at some your some profile or website you had, maybe your yeah, year, yeah. junior yeah. Or senior year. um I think you had started transitioning to speaking, and, like, you know yeah. – and, and I think, like, social media was kind of, like, starting to pop around this time where you could, like, yeah. build your own personal brand, and I saw you doing that. What what um, went into that as you were starting to make that transition?
1: Yeah, man, so, um, you know, again, I had that big interview my second year of college. And then my last year of college, my senior season, um, I was dealing with some some knee problems and, you know, I remember my last game being over with um, in college, and I thought my basketball career was done, right? Yeah. And as I kind of began to shift toward you know, what life after, you know, college basketball, you know, looked like, I knew that I wanted to connect with kids, right, right. and youths. Um, to give them a lot of the guidance that you know I wish I would have received mm-hmm. you know at that at those you know so impressionable ages. Um so you know I figured that I could connect with kids by sharing my experience um and growing you know through childhood to adulthood. Um you know and, and, and kind of be that bridge to instill some of the same messages that teachers were instilling in them. Um but to give it a refreshed look by somebody they could identify with so, right. so that was that was you know really my initial thought so what i began to do was right after my student i began substitute teaching in indianapolis right so you know i love being in the classroom um i was really trying to figure out you know which kids i really resonated most with um so i would try you know first grade then all the way up to elementary then middle school then high school right um and you know it was very very fun ended up developing a couple of uh you know, signature uh, speaking workshops where I would go to different schools, different youth groups. Uh, so that was that was really really fun. Um, but during that time, I was trying to figure it all out. <laughs> so right. you know, definitely have all the answers. Uh, thankfully, ended up recovering from you know injury and ended up having an opportunity to play professionally. And it was really kind of while I was in Germany, um, you know, exploring life again, you know, in a new country, five thousand miles away from anybody that you know I really genuinely cared about. Um, you know, I was able to really kind of have some clarity um, in understanding and understanding the schedule who I was and what was important to me. Um, so after my season of professional basketball, um, I really hit the ground running um, on the speaker series just because, you know, I was trying to do my part to you know use my voice to to change, you know, kids that, that look just like me.
0: Yeah. Right. What were some of those things that you found out that were um, important to you?
1: Yeah, man. Um, well, number one was, you know, I've, I've got such a such a big passion um, for helping my community, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say that, I'm, I mean, specifically Lexington, Kentucky, I live in Indianapolis now, um, but a lot of what I saw my mom um, do and be involved in um, growing up and even through this day, you know, that's always been super important to me. It's to the point now where, you know, even when I impact you know, whether it's youths or other organizations in other places, you know, I almost feel guilty right. to a degree because I know that there's so much more that I want to do and, and positively impact uh, in, in middle of Lexington, right? So, you know, definitely passionate about the city of Lexington. And then number two, um, I really knew that I wanted to live a life where I was able to leave. A legacy, right? Because yeah. um, I know going through the experience of my dad, you know, I realized that I'm not here forever. So a lot of what drives right. me now is, you know, being able to leave a legacy and, you know, have a solid foundation for, you know, kids that I, my kids that I have, my daughter, you know, my girl, my family, um, but really trying to create a lasting legacy. So, um, you know, that's that's what I'm really passionate about. Um, and when I was in Germany, I really kind of was able to, to uncover and identify that. So and then even from a financial perspective, which you know, I know you can speak on, speak to more, um, but just doing all I can now um, to earn <laughs> and to, you know, invest to leave that legacy. Because, again, man, when I was in college, you know, the first time I you know, realized that, OK, man, you know, I, I know we talk about, you know, not having a lot and you kind of do the best of what you can but um you know going through that does not have to be the norm for for every kid (laughs) right exactly so being able to have a blueprint and leave something behind to help kids navigate even as they transition into adulthood um and even as parents and other things is something that you know i'm passionate about leaving behind
0: yeah and going on the community um topic so you were you were involved in two um and maybe this is for the for the short-term future, but you had two things that you're involved in. You had the you had the KBC and then you had yep. the Soul Feast, right? So talk about how like what how how the uh, Soul Feast was a focus on the community and how you came about yep. that idea.
1: Yeah man. So uh, just to just to speak to, to the KBC thing real quick. So you know before the position, you know, I ran a basketball facility in Lexington. And again that was really my way to connect with young athletes. Um, and we really were able to use basketball as that vehicle to keep kids grounded, to give them some structure, um, to really kind of challenge them in ways that could, you know, be examples um, for them to, you know, really be able to relate to things outside of sport as they group through life. So that was a really fun time. I did some amazing things uh, uh, on that side. Um, but then, one of the things that, you know, my sister and I started was uh, what we call Soul Feast Week now, which is essentially a 10-day celebration of all things Black culinary in Lexington. And that really kind of started um, during the pandemic. You know, we realized that, you know, Black-owned businesses were extremely vulnerable yeah. um, in Lexington, Kentucky, because, again, you know, we, we were on lockdown. And, you know, the same businesses that were able to qualify for you know, PPP loans to kind of get through that tough time, You know, businesses in our communities, you know, weren't able to really benefit in in the same way. So we realized that there was an opportunity for us to, you know, create some tangible impact uh, with businesses in our community. So my sister started this 19 Day the Black Business Challenge, where for 19 days, um, starting in June and leading up to June she created this uh, this this challenge where she supported uh, a different Black-owned business every day, and she posted it on her blog. And we created this big uh, Lexington Black Business Guide that literally had about 200 different Black-owned businesses and vendors in Lexington, wow. all in one place for people to, you know, realize what's out there and how they could support, right? You know, there was a lot of people that would, you know, uh, people were posting the Blackout images on, you know, social media, right? Um, you know, Black Lives Matter and all that stuff, which was great. You know, there were some people that wanted to protest, but what we wanted to do was give a tangible way for, you know, communities of all colors and backgrounds to pour their resources and efforts to support our community so you know we found some amazing things to that it was great and we realized that um you know there was a huge opportunity to uh, you know continue this momentum into something that had a little more um foundation and, and bigger and that's kind of where we knew that there was an opportunity to create uh, a black restaurant we right here in Lexington, Kentucky so we're going on our uh, our third third year this coming June and uh you know building that has been you know absolutely amazing it's been tough um but you know definitely something that you know we're looking forward to doing again um this june um and we're not we're not stopping we're not stopping so you know we're we're looking at other opportunities to grow and expand that as well
0: yeah that's amazing bro yeah i didn't i didn't know the uh genesis of that and so that's really really cool to hear because uh especially you know my my aunt and uncle have gotten connected with you and they're involved yep. in that and they love it. Yep. And I think you've been out to their farm and stuff. And oh so. man, every
1: time that matter of fact, I want to, I want to brag on them, man. And this is kind of a lot of, you know, what I want to be able to do more of is, you know, your, your family out at Silver Springs farm and, you know, Equine and vineyard. They, they've got one of the most incredible stories that I've ever heard. And they're two of the most incredible people that I've ever been around. And, and you know, I spend a lot of my time now figuring out, from an impact perspective, how we can help facilitate, you know, businesses and entrepreneurs just like that, you mm-hmm. know, really uh, scale and grow their businesses, right? And so, you know, I'm, I'm learning a couple of things now just every day in my new role, um, but you know, that passion isn't going anywhere, mm-hmm. and I'm super excited uh, about being able to grow that. And, uh, you know, again, man, uh, your your family, uh, Leslie and Al, they they they've got it going on. So so <laughs> so huge shout out to this man. They, they're
0: great. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah. They've, uh, they've, they've definitely been mentors to me, uh, cause they were, you know, young black professionals when I was yep. growing up. Um, and so going on the young black professional thing, you know, one thing that's intrigued me about you is that we've both have been, you know, young black professionals for yep. quite some time now. And, it, uh, we've connected. Yeah. 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 You got a point there, but you know, before we started recording, you were telling me about your current role and, um, yep. and what I loved hearing about that is it sounds like you are learning more about the business of like college sports um, that I've never have heard of. So can you can yeah. you kind of touch on that about like how you got this yeah. role and kind of what you're learning from a business perspective of this big conglomerate of uh, yeah. college sports?
1: Yeah. yeah, man. So just to kind of, you know, provide a little more context for the listeners. Um, and it really relates to, to literally everything that my sister and I began on the social media side. Again, i've always had a huge passion for you know helping helping our community and when we got soul food suite started you know we we didn't have the money but it's an idea we had we didn't have a dollar zero dollars we had to figure out how to raise money and sponsorship you know was always one of those things that i that i heard right you know you see seconds like sponsoring that sponsoring that and you know okay well maybe there's an opportunity to, to to do this thing called sponsorships and raise money so that was really my first effort um, in really exploring that to this level. And um, you know, lo and behold, was able to really create some amazing communal partnerships um, and raise you know some significant dollars in doing so that allowed us to support the start um, through social suite. Um, and one of the cool things we did, literally, since we got started two years ago, through our sponsorship program, we've literally directly spent about $80,000 with Black-owned business and vendors in Lexington, Kentucky in the last 18 months, right? Wow. And that's $80,000, not raised, but actually spent, yeah. right? So we've we raised more than that, but literally spent with Black-owned business and vendors. That's amazing. Uh, so now, just to kind of bring that full circle, you know, going through that process, you know, I knew that that was a lane for me to really kind of attach to and grow in. So, you know, I you know, began looking specifically for opportunities to Grow my knowledge on sponsorship and raise some money, and um, it just so happened that the opportunity with you know my current employer, Learfield, came about, and uh, just as a company, Learfield is a uh, a big, the biggest multimedia rights holder in all of college athletics. So you know we represent schools like Ohio State, um, Clemson, Georgia. Um, Alabama Michigan and sell all of their sponsorships on behalf of their athletic program right and in my role specifically I'm kind of a hybrid I don't sit on a college campus but I actually work in NCAA headquarters Mm -hmm. and we manage a lot of these sponsorship sales around men's and women's college basketball specifically with Um, the National Association of Basketball Coaches and the Women's Basketball Coaching Association as well as the Basketball Hall of Fame and USA Baseball right so you know I'm in a I'm in a a sales position but you know I really enjoy um, raising money and helping organizations you know partner up to uh, meet some of their goals so you know it's been it's been fun and learning a lot and uh, you know looking to do so much more.
0: What I love about business and working in corporate is uh i see a lot of similarities between like sports and career right and um whether that's working on a team and one of the big things is like self-development like if you really want to be good at your role because like and and, and if you want to be financially incentivized like there's a lot of self-development that goes into that have you seen that in your current role
1: oh every day man every day and again you know in uh in in any business and in any successful business um, it's a team effort, right? Yeah. So, you know, those same intricacies of working together, um, and then more importantly, of contributing, you know, at a certain level, right? You know, everybody has a certain role, um, and there's a quote unquote opponent or a goal, you know, that your team is trying to accomplish. So, you know, there's a direct parallel between sports and business because it's all centered around team. Right. Um, now, then from a development standpoint, you know, I know everybody has these dreams and they have these goals, but in order to, you know, reach them, it takes, you know, action, right, right. physical things, tangible things um, that you can do and improve in your daily life to to help make those things come to fruition. Um, so one of the things I tell you all the time, you know, tell me how much money you want to make and, you know, how much money you're actually spending in time investing in yourself to educate yourself, to learn more things. Uh, taking care of your physical, your mental, and those are really kind of correlating as we look towards, you know, people growing into all they can be. So, you know, again, and I can go on and on, but, you know, I hope that kind of gives a little more, more insight to my view on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we could probably talk all day. um, But, you know, as we, as we kind of get close to time, I wanted to hit on, um, because we we've talked about a lot. And so as, as we think about like your, Playing career, your journey as a basketball player, that's transitioned to you know father as a businessman, as a entrepreneur, as a you know corporate worker. What are some of the key things that you've learned from basketball that you've carried yep. with you into these other parts of life? yeah
1: Man, there, there's it. It really kind of comes down to a one thing, and I'll, I'll I'll try my best to keep it condensed. But really you've got to maximize your experience. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the way we do that, whether it's school, whether it's life, whether it's work, whether it's family, is all about creating real relationships. Right. So not taking anything for granted, um, but, you know, really being super intentional and present with the people that are with you, you know, every day in the class, you, know, you know, the professors, the teachers, you know, the coaches, you know, your peers, your teammates, And really getting a chance to, you know, meet people, Uh, but more importantly, add value to what they're doing, right? If you add value to people that you're around, you know, you're actually creating new relationships. And, you know, to also be able to go above and beyond to add value without expecting anything in return. So, you know, in order to maximize our experience through life, you know, it all kind of starts and ends with, um, you know, creating new relationships through adding value.
0: Yeah, that, that kind of gave me chills because that's kind of like the way I see my Asbury experiences. Like, even though I didn't make it to, to the level of playing athletically that I wanted to, I did feel like while I was there, I maximized I my experience and I met people and I made connections. And I'm still going back to Asbury to my college, making connections and being seen on campus and being involved with the team that, you know, my time at college really helped me in my career and life. Um, cool. whether I was playing a lot, whether I was an All American, whether I was riding the bench, it didn't matter. I, I tried to maximize yeah. m- maximize my experience, and that's exactly the same message that I went and told the team last year. Because I was like, if yeah. y'all are here for four years and y'all don't make no connections, you don't take no internships <laughs> or nothing. You just waste you. You just yeah. wasted four years of a you know yeah. Yeah. And, opportunity. And, 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 and huge shout out
1: to Asbury, man. You know, again, we just talked about it. everybody has that D one that D1 or bus mentality, right? Yeah. And, you know, bro, there, there's talent everywhere, right? But more importantly, you know, you can make uh, an incredible impact, not only in your time at campus, but those same relationships can sustain you, you know, throughout life. So I know Asbury's probably done, honestly, I'm, I'm going to say this, I think Asbury's probably done the best job of any colleague that I'm aware of in supporting, you know, their basketball players not only while they were at school, but even after, and it's apparent yeah. that, you know, everybody's always back, man. I feel like I'm an alumni <laughs> yeah. of Asbury, bro. Yeah. Just because just because I'm, I'm between you, you know, a couple other buddies, you know, I, honestly, bro, like, I could argue that y'all's experience in college, you know, was, was way better than yeah. a lot of people that, you know, might have even dig time, you know, schools like Asbury. So, you know, for the young coopers out there, if you have the opportunity Anywhere, you know, one to one, uh, not to go off on the tangent, as we get recruited, we always ask these questions, right, Coach? Right. You know, how do I evaluate a program? You know, the thing I tell anybody, if you want to evaluate the the genuineness of a coach and their program, look at the coach's relationships with guys at a played for that are no longer on the team. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know yep. what I mean? If kids are coming back, still having relationship with coach, you know, I see Coach Shouse. At weddings. You know what I mean? Right. You know, you, you back on campus, everybody, right? So that's really how you can very quickly um understanding what you're walking into and if yeah. it's going to be beneficial, not only for your time in college, but for your lifetime. So yeah, that's yeah. a little little tip.
0: Yeah, and that's probably a, a good uh leadership blurb as well is that the people you impact, the people you're investing in, if they come back and they, you know, want to be around you and they want to show up that's to it. things you have going on. I mean, I think that's key in leadership as well.
1: Absolutely. Business, teams, you know, anything at all. So, you know. Yeah.
0: Well, Celis, I really appreciate your time, man. I really enjoyed this conversation. I'm glad that we could do this finally, man.
1: Absolutely, brother. I appreciate that, man. Hats off to you, you know, for being, number one, you know, an amazing friend. But, you know, love, love, love seeing you as a dad. Man, you got four, bro. I might have to wrap <laughs> to you soon because your is kicking my behind.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but, uh, but again, man, uh, kudos to you, man, for everything you're doing, for allowing me to come on the platform. And, uh, you know, your consistency, bro, your talk has been inspiring um, just because, again, man, I, I know it's that easy. So.
0: Yeah. Appreciate that, man. Well, ladies and gentlemen, between the game and life, Marcellus Barksdale. I appreciate it. Right. Take care, man. Talk to you soon.